The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, today I'm really thrilled because we have a wonderful guest coming to us, Laura Stewart, who's a business strategist. And she's a keynote speaker and also a radio host and a podcast host as well, and an author. And she is the author of What Would a Wise Man Do, A Wise Woman Do? <laughs> Questions to Ask Along the Way. And her weekly broadcast is uh, it's all about the questions. So that's really neat that she's got that. So she is a seasoned media person. So it's fun. And I met her through um, Blastermind, I think, is what we're both on together or something yeah. on, on, online, a wonderful introduction and said, come on my show. And um, so she has had a highly successful multi-state technology service that she ran for many years. And she started Wisdom Learned LLC, a company dedicated to educating leaders. So we're going to find out more about what she can help us with, especially the technology, because this is going to go air on our radio show, Privacy Piracy, and I thought she'd be perfect. So thank you so much for joining us, Laura. Well, it's so great to be here, and it's, it's so interesting to be on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So first of all, I have to ask you, how did you get techie? Oh, man, I've been a geek for as long as I can remember. You know, my dad used to let me take apart electronic circuitry, and most of the time I could put it back together when I was a little girl. Not always, and if I couldn't, he, he didn't throw a fit, even though back in the 60s, electronics were very expensive. Right. I wanted to be an astronaut, and it seemed like the best use of my skills and also the only way outside of the military that I thought I might have a possibility of getting into the space program. That didn't work out because I wanted the Star Trek version of <laughs> space travel. <laughs> right. And we all were, do, right? That looks right? like so much fun, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I would still love to go to outer space and everything, but I still do feel I want that Star Trek version of being out in space. And I decided to transfer into other areas and got a degree in computer science and then a master's in management and organizational behavior and technical writing and all that stuff. And then over time, after working corporate for many years in a lot of different roles, I started my own company. That's beautiful. 
Yeah. But you still know a lot about technology and that's, that's really important too. And we're having some, without technology, we wouldn't be doing the Zoom interview and have this fun to be able to make it an MP3. So I'm just so excited to talk to you. So let's talk a little bit about the human factor when we're, you know, people think, okay, well, we've got all this security and we've got all this bells and whistles, but how does the human factor affect when we have hackers? I'm really glad you asked that question because most people think that what you need to do for cybersecurity is install something on this, don't borrow somebody's power cable when you're at the airport or put antivirus on your computer, but the best defense against the cybersecurity effect is the person whose hands are at the keyboard or on the mouse. And having dealt with cybersecurity since the 70s and 80s, when nobody really talked about cybersecurity, but there were things that you needed to do because you were online, the biggest thing you can do is watch where you're clicking. It sounds so simple, yet people want convenience. Right? How many times have you picked up your phone and went, oh, that's a really cool app that everybody's talking about on social media, yeah. or, or wait, oh, there's a great survey and a contest that I can enter. So you click on those things and you share information about the street you grow up on because you wanted to find your porn star name or what's the fifth photo on your phone or those different kinds of things. Those are typically all run by hackers trying to get information mm -hmm. that often are the answers to your security questions. Right. Once you've played and done those things, these people then put all of that into different algorithms that they bought. They didn't even create. They bought off the dark web and said, this person's name, oh, and look on social media, it says your birth date a lot of times. It says where you live. You'll have pictures of your parents. All of those things, and then that's how they can hack your bank accounts, your financial data, your health data. They can hack your social media account and pretend they're you in Messenger or right. other ways. So the human factor to me, Mari, is the most critical prevention of all time for cybersecurity. Exactly. And there's another aspect to the human factor. I had... Um Kevin Mitnick on my show, and he was the FBI hacker that you remember from the 80s, and he's wrote The Art of Deception and The Art of Inclusion, and he actually wears a white hat now, but he was wearing a black hat for a long time. He couldn't touch a computer, but he talked about how he could get dressed up and go into a, um, a company, and they think that he works there, and then he goes, I have to do some work on here, and he'd get in, and he would take, you know, thumb drives and of everything on the computer or get people to tell him stuff or get in to talk with the, you know, say that the CEO wants to transfer money to another account. I mean, this just happens all the time. It's these, the social uh, kind of deception that people are fall into, like what you were talking about. It's just the bad guys sure can really rook us, can't they? They sure can. And one of the things I used to do when I had my company is sometimes people would hire us to do disaster recovery planning. And as part of that disaster recovery planning, 
I felt you needed to recover from a hack, a disaster where you could get into your building, but maybe somebody shut down all your computers, changed all your passwords, wow. somehow got into your financial. So what I would do is I would send somebody into their company dressed nicely, not somebody they knew, and they'd walk around like right. they own the place. And they'd look and see where is somebody's password underneath a, a keyboard or right. posted right on a monitor or they'll see all the pictures at somebody's desk, or we'd call up and ask some very specific questions. Who handles this for you and that for you? And these people would give all this information. And within five minutes, we could hack into anything we wanted because we just pretended we were somebody allowed to be in there. And it is the most common because people want to be trusting. Right, right. That's the best way to test, just see. And then I'm sure when you would tell the CEO or tell whoever you were reporting to later what happened, they probably were in shock, right? No, they weren't. Because when you finally got into the CEO's office, you'd look and right on their computer or underneath their mouse was their password or oh. something like that. And yeah. in a way they were shocked, but they weren't because they were like, oh yeah, I do that. That's really a bad thing. How did somebody get in here? And then you'd say, well, let's set policies on something simple, like the passwords have to change every 30 days. They can't just be your name. They have to be a combination. Now it's getting more common, but back in the early 90s, it was not common to be talking about changing your password and they have to be random characters. Right. And more often than not, they would say no, because they didn't want to make it hard for their people. Right, right. And I remember um, there was uh, one company that I was working with. I, I walked around and I saw pay stubs with social security numbers just sitting on desks on a Friday. Everybody could see it. People, they didn't know who I was. I was walking around, you know, dressed nicely, but they didn't know who I was. I was visiting. So, yeah, that, that you know, intrusion detection testing is so important. And how many companies do that? They're, you know, like you said, everybody is trusting. It's, it's craziness. And, well, and it's, it's onerous, right? It's become so much of your day is spent protecting your space. Yes. That it becomes very difficult to just function and work. Like we talked about on the phones. Oh, I want to, I want to install this app because this app will tell me every Wi-Fi, public Wi-Fi that's out there. The right. worst thing you can do is connect to public Wi-Fi. Right. But, you know, you don't want to use your cellular data. It, but it, it's, we've become a society on one level of what's the easiest thing I can do for me? I don't care about anybody else. This is what I want in the moment, and I want ease. I want to just do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. Yes, and they want to do it quick. So, you know, I, I absolutely encrypt everything that's sensitive that goes to my clients. You know, I'm a lawyer right. and, and I make it easy as I can. I give a password for the case and, you know, it's 12 numbers, letters, characters, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, and I say, this is the only way you can open these. You've got to memorize this one password or put it on LastPass, which asks, which um, let me ask you about that. How do you feel about LastPass and some of these other password managers? You know, that's a dilemma I've been dealing with right now yeah. because on one level, I think products like LastPass and, and OnePass and several of the other ones are absolutely incredible. 
but I'm deathly afraid they're going to get hacked. And I know the folks at LastPass, I know the levels of encryption and how much they are really focused on protecting that. Right. But anything can happen if you're a target. Yes. So they're going to be targeted. Yeah. So I worry about that. The nice part about LastPass compared to some of the other ones is they allow you to generate a unique password. Right. Right. The only thing that you need to remember is your password to get into LastPass. Yeah, your main password, right. But that's a problem because more people than not will do it something like password. Oh my God. No. <laughs> they don't allow that. LastPass doesn't allow I mean, mine that. Is, right? Mine is like, like a whole sentence with numbers and right. different characters. And yeah, I mean, I know. And, and LastPass tries to make you do that. Right. Like there's always ways around it. And then if you forget that password, LastPass can't even save you. Right, right. So I, th I like the idea of it. I think it's better than people using passwords like password or their anniversary or their birthday right. or their job. The same name. password for their, Everything. Uh, their financial stuff. And yeah, it's, it, yeah. I, it is kind of a big burden. You know, that's why I said I have a password for each client. And I said, we are going to encrypt this even, you know, it's, sometimes it has really sensitive stuff in there because, you know, I'm doing mediation of financial disputes. Right. So, um, but I got to tell you in my profession, hardly any of the attorneys are doing that. It's just too much trouble. They have to make it easy and it's not easy. So right. that's, my financial advisors, we do everything through a secure messaging app. Right. So they'll send me a notification that I have a secure message. Then I have to click on that secure message link, log into that, and then I can see and reply to the messages. Right. At, like um, a vault type of thing. Yeah. Right. I'm a, an alumnus of NYU, and yeah. they bought Polytechnic University, which is where I got my master's degree. And it used to be Brooklyn Poly, then Polytechnic University. Now it's part of NYU, their engineering school. Yeah. And I have to have an app called Duo on my phone in order to two-factor uh, verify me before I'm allowed to get into the website. Right. Yeah. So there's so much that you have to do, but Mary, it's like so onerous. I know. I know. What do you think about biometrics? Like my, my iPhone 10 has, I can open it by just looking at it. I, I worry about what if somebody took my eyeballs out or forced me, you know, by knife or something. I don't know. I mean, I don't have anything really sensitive in, in my phone. Um, but still, I mean, what do you think about biometrics to, to help us with trying to verify who we are? I don't use it on my devices because I feel that that can be hacked by some people. Yeah. If, if they are targeting you for your phone, they could be near you, take a, a picture of you, of your face from afar, and then steal your phone and get in. That mm -hmm. tends to be more targeted attacks that we would see. I'm not a fan of fingerprint to the phone right. because you easily fake that fingerprint using um, tape and a couple of different things to create that pressure on it. Yeah. But it is better than nothing at all. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, two or three factor is better. Like if I have something in my hand and I know something, at least two factor 
That's what I always sign up for two-factor authentication, something I know and something I have. But like with my, you know, with the bank, you know, uh, every time I go into my bank, they have to text me my phone, you know, my code, my temporary code. So I try to do these things, but, you know, there's always a way around it, isn't there, Laura? <laughs> that's the well, that's the thing. And I have friends that their entire business is cybersecurity and dark web. All they do. And I, I know you talked to several of them. And these guys have helped the FBI. They've worked with local law enforcement. They deal in human trafficking and all of this other stuff. Yeah. And what they tell me is, Laura, there's really nothing you can do other than not being out there in the world in any electronic way, which really isn't viable no. in the world today. We'd like to think it is, but right. it's not really viable in the world today. I guess if we were survival survivalists right and we lived somewhere out in the forest somewhere, but I don't know I, I don't think I could do it you know I know I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't I know and my internet was out last week and oh my gosh you don't really? realize how bad yeah right tear 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 your hair up uh it it was just amazing how we've become so dependent on these things and then out in California now you know, there's been these heavy winds and uh, up in Northern California, they want to like turn off all the electric for I heard that 800,000 people, right? How are they going to let alone have refrigeration is up? They're not going to be able to do business. It's uh, we're going to just have to figure out another way that uh, we can get this kind of, uh, you know, connectivity with, without plugging in, you know, maybe that's the next thing. Well, you know, there's air-gapped rooms, there's all sorts of, of different things. I've been dealing with some EMF issues for myself, with some health issues, trying to figure out what's going on with everything. Yeah, yeah. Because I went somewhere where there was no cell phone signal, there was nothing, and I, I felt so good. Right. Know? And then I came home, and I wasn't sleeping well again and everything, ah. so so what's different? And I went, okay, let me shut my Wi-Fi off. Let me turn off all the electronics in the living yeah. room. And that helped a bit. So I started researching. Did you know you can buy paint that you can paint on the walls, ceilings, floors of your house to turn a room into like a Faraday cage where no cellular, no data signals, nothing can get through. Wow. By paint and fabric. That would be good for your bedroom so you could sleep. Yeah, and I, I just was fascinated by this idea that we've had to create a culture, especially now with 5G coming in. Yes. Where we need to protect ourselves because we kind of want to against this constant onslaught. The barrage, of yes. Yeah. So how can you protect it? Now it's no longer used to hear about air-gapped computers, right? They were not connected to the internet. They were in a room all by themselves and there was this computer and the government was running some special thing or corporations were doing, uh, you know, really hyper secure work that they didn't want corporate espionage, right? Right. This is all the time in the movies. Well, air-gapped computers now can be hacked. Ah. Electric circuitry, like that provides power. Wow. So it's crazy. So now the advent of these paints and these other things prevent that because you can't jump from the electrical system. Now these are obviously highly targeted threats. 
not for the average person like you right, or I. Right. You're worried, you know, like if you're feeling what you're feeling, Laura, think about these little kids that are growing up with all this electronic stuff around them all the time, right? I mean, I wonder what it's doing to our brains and to our bodies. Mush. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we have to do, I don't know if you ever watch Ancient Aliens, but they talk about, they think that all of the pyramids all around the world, there's so many of them, were really, um, they were providing kind of like electricity, only without plugging in, that there was something that they harnessed the sun or something like that. Maybe we'll find out what that is so we don't have to plug into all these things. <laughs> but that's, uh, you know, that's the Star Trek stuff of the future too. Yeah, absolutely. I love that stuff, though. But we're all too. seeing it, right? It's all coming to fruition. All of Everything it. Everything that was in Star Trek, Star Wars, we're seeing it all the, all over the place. It's amazing. Yeah. In Minority Report, we're seeing that, too. You know, that was a scary one as well. That really was. More and more, every day, we're seeing this whole using electronics to Just, prevent yeah. things from I mean, happening. I feel like that's what they want. They want money. You know, or revenge, or I mean, I've seen identity theft for money, but I've also seen it for revenge. I've seen it just to harass. Uh, it's it's crazy. And but it's hard to prove. Yeah, I want to get back a little bit. So, you know, one of the things people go, well, should I should I lie? You know, I, when I sign up for things, yeah. um, I know I don't put my real birthday. I put. My day, you know, like on Facebook, is my day. I don't put the right year. I don't even put the year. Um, people can maybe figure it out. But I understand that if you put your birthday exactly as it is and where you were born, they can figure out your social security number, which, yes. of course, you know, is the key to the kingdom of identity theft. So I'm careful not to say where I was born or I'm careful not to have the, the, the correct year. So can we... Can we not put in the truth on some of these things? What do you think? Yeah, the only place that you have to tell the truth is the federal government or your bank or something like that, right. okay? But when you answer their security questions on the website and say their only question is, what's your mother's maiden name? Oh yeah, make that up for sure. Want. Just remember what it is. If yeah. It says, what school did you go to? Who's your first boyfriend, your first pet's name? You can make up everything you want. The only place you can't lie is like if you're filling in for social security application, opening a bank account, something right. like that. Social right. media, your name should be legit, but the rest of it is really whatever you want to put. Yeah. And I encourage people to do that. Don't answer, and you don't even have to answer those same questions the same way each time. Just remember what you put. Right. And that's not easy. <laughs> You know what they say? The, the hardest thing in the world is, the, is to remember is a lie, so you might as well tell the truth. Well, in this case, you're better off lying. Yeah, it's so hard to remember stuff. Or, you know, it's funny because um, I was talking to Cox Cable, and they said, what was your first pet's name? And I told them my first pet's name, and they said, that's not it. But when they asked me to sign up, it didn't say what was a favorite pet, not what was your first pet's name. So I figured that out, that that's, they asked me one question, and then when I'm on the phone with them to verify me, they asked me a different question. So it, it's enough to make you nuts to try and verify yourself. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> we had a client 
this was not that long ago. I wasn't even in the business officially in the business anymore, but I had a client that I do strategy stuff with and they got locked out of some serious technology that they needed to get into. And we had to call the manufacturer to get in and, and they're like, well, there's this password on that account. And we're like, okay, well that per, you know, that person's no longer here. Do you have a hint? And it was like favorite restaurant. And you know, I'm thinking expensive <laughs> restaurants in town and everything like that. And I looked over, I muted the phone and I talked to the other people there. I said, where did this guy like to go eat? And he said, well, he, he really liked Burger King. <laughs> I went, okay. So I said, Burger King. And the guy said, yep, you're in. <laughs> That's his favorite restaurant. Oh my God. <laughs> That's funny. Um, the, the key to that is within one question, I was able to yes. figure that out and yeah. get in. That's scary. Everything. So we were able to then go forward from there. That's how simple it is. Yeah. And if you discuss stuff yeah. on social media, it's even easier. I know. See, this is why I like LastPass because I can have it on my computer and have it on my phone. And all I have to remember is that 15 different digits for my my one password that I have to remember because it makes me crazy. So let's talk a little bit about what we need to ask ourselves around privacy and security because believe it or not, we only have a, a short time left. So I want to oh, make sure that... You, <laughs> I know, it's so much fun. But we want to make sure that we have a, a little bit of advice for our people listening. Yeah, you know... Asking questions is so important, not only of yourself and others. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is most of us ask questions to get the answers we want, not necessarily the answers we need. Right. And if we could just shift that thinking, how dramatic our lives could be. Because right. we always go from one person to the next wanting the answer. So if you don't get the answer you want, what do you do? You go ask somebody else. You don't like the answer your lawyer give you find another lawyer right <laughs> eventually you realize that all the lawyers are giving the same answer so maybe you need to rethink what's going on right and and i always tell all of my clients don't sign any contracts don't do make a move without having a good lawyer backing yeah. you up to protect yourself from yourself right right and, and that's similar with privacy and security for me the questions we need to ask are before we click on a link before we sign up for something, before we add a new app, before we buy a new device is say, what would somebody wiser than me do in this situation? Right, right. Do I really need this? Is it going to improve my life? Is it going to possibly open me to a security risk? Before you connect to and the public pause, Wi-Fi. That pregnant pause, right? That right. Before you go, okay. Very much so. It's step back, take a breath. If somebody is asking you for private information on a phone call, they call you and they're like, we're calling from your health insurance company. We want to talk to you about something new and caller ID seems to indicate it's right. And they go, we want to verify your information. The first thing I say is no. <laughs> the first thing I say is what do you have on there? You know? Yeah. But you yeah. Can't what do you have on there? Well, we don't have anything. Well, you know what? Um, send me a letter or something. I, I don't give it. You know, that's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing. They could have all the information in front of you. They want to verify it really is, but they're also probably recording your voice. Interesting. So hang up, 
question yourself and go, you know, if they claim they're my health insurance company, my bank, let me go to my credit card, call the number on the back of the credit card or call your branch directly. The questions I really encourage people to ask is pause, think, what would somebody in the security world say if I was about to do this? That's a perfect way to end. Believe it, this, this half hour went so quickly, didn't it? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, we'll have to do this again. But I want to thank you so much. But you've got, you know, you've got your book. You've got so many wonderful talents, not only technology, but also as a business strategist from all these years of doing that. And again, I want to give you the name of your book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? questions to ask along the way and your weekly radio show, which is, it's all about the questions. So can you give us the URL of uh, your radio show and also uh, your website? Sure. Best place to get everything, laurasteward.com. And it's steward like a wine steward with a D at the end. Just go to laurasteward.com. Everything's there. And your listeners can download free champers of my book and a workbook on how to ask better questions. That sounds wonderful. Laura, it's so great to meet you in person this time. Finally, yes. It's fun. (laughs) And we will talk to you again. So thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.